0: My global IQ is 109, 100, 7, 145, 122,
1: 108,
0: 109, 132, 180. 137, 103, 139, 151, 147,
1: 103,
0: 126. I'm your host, Jim Falk, and today I'm joined by Jim Olson, the former Chief of Counterintelligence at the CIA, one of the many critical positions he held over nearly a four-decade career. Thanks for being with us, Jim. It's a pleasure. Thank you, Jim. You have been in the intelligence business now for nearly four decades. And I wonder when you reflect back and think about what's happening now, are we in a better situation than we were 9-11 or even at the height of the Cold War? What's the threat level?
1: We're in a worse position now in terms of national security than we were at the height of the Cold War. I miss the Cold War. It was neat. It was clear. We knew who the adversary was. We had deterrence. None of that applies now. Our adversaries are invisible, they are highly motivated, they're not governed by any constraints whatsoever, whether legal or moral. So the multitude of threats we have now makes life, life much more difficult for us.
0: In your book, you open up with three chapters where you talk about where, in your view, are the main threats. What are those countries?
1: China, 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 number one, no question about it. Everybody will agree with that. Every intelligence professional will tell you china far away is the number one national security threat russia hasn't gone away either though and the level of russian espionage is actually higher than it was during the cold war but it still pales in comparison to what the chinese are doing and then i listed the cubans third uh, because the cubans are very aggressive very large and unfortunately they've been very successful in penetrating our government they're still there
0: Jim, if I'd asked you this question five years ago, would you have put China still as number one or 10 years ago?
1: 10 years ago, I would have put the Russians first still. But what we've seen from China recently, particularly in the cyber front, really puts them in a whole different order of magnitude.
0: I'm surprised, however, that you don't mention Iran or North Korea in your top three or four.
1: Well, I am very concerned about the Iranian and North Korean threats. It's serious, but their intelligence services, their intelligence operations, their espionage operations aren't as finely developed as the Cubans, the Russians, or the Chinese.
0: One of the things when you think about what is the purpose of the CIA when it was founded, it was for intelligence gathering. And yet there have been some remarkable errors, many that have been made public. Is the CIA doing the job that the American public deserves?
1: I think it is we of course continue to collect intelligence but we have covert action responsibilities as well i think we're serving the american people very capably it's a tough job but where would we be without intelligence it's very rewarding for all of us the intelligence community to know that day in day out we're we're helping to keep the american people safe
0: when you look at how the cia has changed over the last few years especially after 9 11 it has really been more involved in military operations. Of course, right after 9-11 mm-hmm. you had CIA operatives who did a remarkable job in tracking down the Taliban. Mm-hmm. Has there
1: been somewhat of a mission creep? Certainly the support to the military has increased and I fully support that because what more important mission could we in intelligence have but to support our men and women in uniform. And we have really tough campaigns going on in places like Afghanistan. Iraq, Syria, the intelligence support for that is is really vital. Foreign policy,
0: which I'm sure you read, had a cover story recently on the future of espionage. Mm -hmm. And one of the things they highlighted was what you can do with this Mm -hmm. and how hard it is to create a cover, how hard it is for someone to act and move around a country and meet with their assets. How has human intelligence changed? And in a sense, is it being eclipsed by technology?
1: No, I don't think so. Technology, of course, has changed the game. But there's always going to be a place for human spies. There's no better source than a human being at the heart of your adversary who can tell you the plans, the intentions, bring out all the documents. Human intelligence is never going to go away. We always need human spies.
0: The agency certainly had its challenges, say, with Director Turner during the Carter administration. Have you been able to... Don't remind me. (laughs) Because many of your colleagues, I think, were terminated. No, I was there... Especially in the Near East. I
1: was there, we lost a lot of people. Uh, We really, I think, uh, missed their expertise later on, their experience. And I think it was a mistaken notion by Turner and others that technology could replace human spies. In the minds of a lot of people, technology is cleaner, it's neater, it's less nasty. So there was an inclination on the part of many people to tidy up the intelligence community by shifting to technical collection. Are you
0: comfortable with the balance now?
1: No. No, I still think that uh, human intelligence is being undervalued, and I'd like to see us put even more undercover people in the field to go after the human targets. Is it a
0: question of budget or priorities?
1: I think it's both. Human intelligence really, in the greater scheme of things, is not that expensive. We spend a lot more on signals collection and imagery collection that we do on human spies but there is a I think a belief on the part of some that we have enough out there now and we do not.
0: For a while there was perhaps a certain honor among intelligence officers among spies. There still is. One of your colleagues recently spoke at the World Affairs Council at uh, Jonah Mendez and she said the world of intelligence is a lot rougher now. Would you agree with her?
1: I know Jonna very well. She's a great friend. I would agree with that It's rougher Jim because it's become more and more politicized And that's an arena. We don't like to be in we shouldn't be in But we've seen that lately and it can get really Aggressive and in your face and personal a lot of recriminations a lot of maligning of us and what we do so I think it's typical of Washington that the mood is really tense now and can be angry and can be vindictive. And unfortunately, we've allowed ourselves to get caught up in that.
0: So the rough environment is not coming from Russia, it's coming from Capitol Hill.
1: Yes, yeah, we can handle Russia. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm
0: glad you brought that up because one of the things that I was wondering about is when you look at what happened with the enhanced interrogation, made me think back to the church hearings in the 1970s, I believe. Are you in a situation where intelligence officers really need to have an attorney in their back pocket?
1: Well, when I was uh, Chief of Counterintelligence, we had attorneys in practically every other cubicle, looking over our shoulders, making certain that we stayed within the law. I want to stay within the law. That's not a problem. But attorneys are there to tell us how we can do what we need to do legally. And I don't think lawyers should be there to tell us not to do things that there is a way to do and unfortunately some of that's happening We're becoming a bit risk-averse. I'm afraid I think a lot of the Operations that would have been routinely approved in the past are being looked looked at much more closely now I want us to be aggressive when we're going after terrorists. We got to pull out all of our tools We can't
0: play nice. Is one of the reasons that it's changed is because it's more difficult now to keep things secret?
1: Yeah, it is a lot more difficult to keep things secret. In this age of media and intrusiveness from every direction of the technology, yes, it's much harder to keep things secret. I want to spend a few minutes talking
0: about your book, which I really enjoyed, The Catch a Spy, The Art of Counterintelligence. Mm -hmm. It's your second book. For our listeners, let's talk about some of the terms What is counterintelligence? Because in the media, often these terms are misdefined, not defined properly. Right,
1: and often misused. Yeah. Counterintelligence, Jim, is all the measures that a country takes to protect its people and its secrets from foreign intelligence services. The United States is being assaulted by foreign intelligence services. Our job in counterintelligence is to stop them. And it's a very demanding task. But it's an essential task, because if we just let them run freely, they can drain us dry of our secrets, our technology. They can get in our databases. We need to really protect these secrets, these capabilities. That's what counterintelligence does.
0: Let's talk about some more of these definitions, because you're not a spy. You are a clandestine officer, a case officer, correct? Tell us about the difference between a case officer and a spy. And let's talk also about what is a double agent.
1: Well, case officer is a term that all of us professional intelligence officers prefer. We are case officers. We're not agents. We are proudly case officers. When I die, Jim, I would be very honored, very proud, if my simple epitaph could be Jim Olson, case officer. We don't mind being called spies by the public at large. That's That's acceptable. Spook's not even all that offensive. I don't mind being called a spook, but never, never agent. Now, double agent is really misused in the public arena. And that's a shame because double agentry is an art and it needs to be developed more. I did a lot of double agent operations. I love them. I think that they need to be revitalized. I spent a lot of time in the book explaining what they are, how to do them and how to detect a double agent who's being run against us.
0: When you recruited an asset, what do you think motivated them? And I'm sure, or I suspect, it can vary from country to country, also what time in history. But let's talk about when you were working in Soviet Union or Russia.
1: You know, what was really gratifying for me in working against Russians, and that was kind of the main focus of my career, was how many of them were really motivated by ideology. They were locked into an oppressive communist system They knew it was a lie. They no longer could support it in good conscience. And the most courageous ones decided they could strike back against that evil system, as it was, by cooperating with us. I had tremendous respect for people like that. That's not all of them, though. And, of course, in any country, you're going to have people who are venal and who will simply sell out. I love spies like that because once you determine that they can be bought, it's just negotiating the price
0: let's talk about the united states because we certainly don't see people lined up to get visas to go to russia no so what motivates an american to commit treason
1: money 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 it's
0: it's money all the time let's talk about china a bit more because just in august there was an article in the new york times and the headline was how china uses linkedin to recruit spies abroad and then there was the officer, Kevin Mallory, mm-hmm. who I think was convicted in June of this year. Yes. And is going to be spending 20 years behind bars. Right. Well deserved. So, how does LinkedIn protect itself and ourselves from being used by the Chinese or other malicious folks?
1: I think all those media companies need to be alert to the fact that they're being used, they're being manipulated. LinkedIn is an example. The others are also subject to that kind of victimization by by the Chinese. The Chinese use any tool available to them. They're very subtle, they're very sophisticated, they're very smart, and they are constantly trolling. And the websites like that are a good place for them to find Americans who might be lured into some kind of information sharing, some kind of profit-making scheme. Mallory was really a dupe. He should not have been brought into that. He should have been a lot smarter. It's a tragic case, but he knew what he was doing toward the end.
0: Yeah, he knew what he was doing, but there are others outlined in this story that might just really be looking for a job. That's right. So how do people protect themselves? What advice would you give your students now so that they aren't duped by Chinese or a Russian using LinkedIn or Facebook?
1: If you're being recruited, for any kind of a job you need to know who the recruiter is what nationality they are and you need to be very very skeptical if it's a country like china because the china i guarantee you are out there to use the employment angle to bring people in and then gently move them into espionage It starts out simple it starts out benign starts out innocent but before long they've reeled you in and you are engaged giving you're in deep water you've given up a lot more information than you intended to but you've gotten used to the money you want to ingratiate yourself to the employer
0: so when we look at what happens in social media and technology and mobile phones it must be more difficult now for the cia to build a cover for people now who enter the agency say compared to when you were recruited
1: It's a lot harder now. When I was on active duty, our backstopping for our alias identities, our cover could be fairly thin. It would be professional, but now you've got to have several layers of depth to your backstopping to get away with it. Because even small countries have databases, they have scanners, they can verify addresses, phone numbers, addresses, uh, workplaces, family members place of birth, it's, it's much, much harder.
0: Well, Jim, you and I have known each other for a few decades. We have. And I want to congratulate you again. This book, To Catch a Spy, is wonderful. Great case studies at the end of the book about some of the spies you caught or were involved with, and then the bibliography at the back of the book where you have 25 books that people should read for their library is really something that I'm going to work through over the course right. of the next few years. Thank you, sir.
1: Thank you. Good questions, Jim.
0: Thank you for listening to Global IQ with Jim Falk, a production of the World Affairs Council of Dallas-Fort Worth. Subscribe and rate Global IQ Minute on iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite app. Special thanks to my producers, Kara Sheckman and Kayla Smith. Thanks for listening.